As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. ZB is back, baby. Don't feel bad for me. I've had quite a few bazookies in my life. <laughs> Wait, you don't think I'm bringing the energy? I mean, you can't actually be excited to be back from your honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, sure you can. Right. I'm excited for this podcast. Excited for this podcast. Excited, excited for this, this podcast. podcast. Excited, excited for this podcast. podcast. I'm excited for every podcast. I could say for the first time in the history of this show, I'm excited for this podcast. Zach, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm nervous about this podcast. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends. I don't think that I have ever been uh, more embarrassed by the intro uh, than I have been today. But but uh, a good start. Uh, a, a different show today, Bo and Zach, and those of you on YouTube will see that we are joined by Jason Reed uh, to start this episode of Birds with Friends. So we've got plenty of Eagles news to get to in a little bit. But before we do that, we're going to talk to Jason. Jason, uh, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. We want to talk about your, your new book, Rise of the Black Quarterback, what it means for America. But uh, first of all, I guess, and Zach shows it off for the audio <laughs> listeners. He's got it right there. And, and Jason has an even bigger version behind him. Uh, first of all, let me just apologize for the intro. I'm sorry, but I hope you got a nice little taste of Zach there. No, you know what? <laughs> we can never get too much of Zach. He, he's such a great guy. You know, we, we go way back uh, to when, I guess, during, during his uh, internship. That's right. Uh, way, way, way back in the day. And now he's this seasoned, grizzled NFL uh, beat guy uh, extraordinaire. So, no, you know what? I can never get enough of Zach. Back that. when he was subsisting on pazookies, I imagine, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, actually, Jason used to take us to lunch. So when we went out to then Redskin Park, uh, yeah. we always ate well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Redskin, Redskins Park. Can't even call it that anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so Jason, I guess we want to start. Um, and first of all, like the, the book is great. I've been, I've been making oh, my way you. through. It's really, really enjoyable. Um, I guess my first question is, you know, you've been, you have been covering the league for a long time. What was sort of the the inciting moment that made this the time that you wanted to to tackle this book and and why why now? Well, you know, back in the 2019 2020 
NFL season, the league was commemorating its 100th season. And I was having dinner with uh, Doug Williams, the uh, first black quarterback to start in the Super Bowl and win the game's MVP award before that season. And he was talking to me about the fact that never before had there been so many superstar young black quarterbacks or guys who were potentially on the verge of superstardom. And, you know, after thinking about it and, you know, talking to him, I went to my editors at ESPN and I said, Hey, look, I'd like to kind of follow these guys this year and see if, you know, what I was being you know, told would actually come to pass. And um, my editors at ESPN thought it was a good idea. So um, I followed Patrick Mahomes and 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 uh, Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson and um, it actually turned out to be the year of the black quarterback in the NFL. Lamar Jackson, who was in his first year as a Week One starter, uh, became only the second quarterback in the history of the AP MVP voting to win the award unanimously. The only other guy is a guy named Tom Brady. I'm sure some people have heard about him. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, who the previous year had won the AP MVP award, that year he led the Chiefs to their first Super Bowl championship in 50 years and also won the game's MVP award. And in doing so, at only 24 at the time, became the youngest player in NFL history to have a league MVP award, a Super Bowl MVP award, and a Super Bowl trophy. Kyler Murray, who was the number one overall pick uh, in that year's draft, won the AP Offensive Rookie of the Year award. Uh, Dak Prescott with the Dallas Cowboys had a fabulous year. Russell Wilson, then with Seattle, had a fabulous year. Deshaun Watson had a fabulous year. So it actually turned out to truly be the year of the black quarterback in the NFL. And true story, I'm uh, in my Uber going from, I don't even know what they call that stadium in Miami now. It was Hard Rock hard Stadium. Rock, one yeah. Is it still Hard Rock? Okay. Still Hard Rock. So, okay, still Hard because it was, it was Joe Robbie or Pro yep. Player Stage. Anyway, I've got my Seafoam um, green on just to... <laughs> there you go. There you go. So I'm going to the airport and I get this call. I, I see a number on my phone that I don't recognize. Usually, I usually don't answer those numbers. Um, but for some reason I did. And it was a, a literary agent who told me he had tracked my, my number down and he had been following the series that I did and he thought there was a book there. And so I took his information. I told him, you know, I'll call him back. Get to the airport waiting for my flight. Another literary agent calls me and says, hey, I've been following this series and I think there's a book here. So I kind of took it as a, yeah, well, I took it as a sign. There might be a book there. So, um, you know, long story short, or a little bit shorter. Um, I set out to write the book and um, like 75 to 78 interviews and about 88,000 words later, we have rise of a black quarterback, what it means for America. I'm, I'm jealous of those literary agents calling left and right. Uh, but, but, you know, I was, it was fascinating as I was as I was reading the book, and um, you know, I I was thinking about personally growing up in the Philadelphia area. I'm 36 years old. I imagine a lot of our listeners. Are you 36 are, now? I'm 36. Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> now, 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 you know what? I I did not need. I'm sorry, Zach. I I, I did not need to hear that. But, <laughs> but I, I I imagine a lot of our He's listeners old 36. are are in their uh, 20s, 30s, 40s, right in that age frame. And, and most of what I knew then and, and most of what they knew from the Eagles quarterbacks is a black quarterback. I, I mean, they had Randall Cunningham. They, uh, they had Rodney P. take them to the playoffs. There was a short stint there with the Detmers and Bobby Hoying. Then Donovan McNabb was the franchise quarterback for a decade, followed by Michael Vick for a few years. And then there was there was Carson Wentz and Nick Foles sprinkled in. But now Jalen Hurts is decidedly their, their, their quarterback. Uh, and I frame it that way of asking what role – 
did Philadelphia and the Eagles play in your book and how unique are the Eagles relative to the league with that history? All great questions, not surprising coming from you. So here's the thing. You cannot tell the story of the rise of the black quarterback in the NFL without talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I mean, you just can't do it. Um, it the, the franchise has been so central to the the progress of black quarterbacks within the league that it really when you, when you when you think about it the 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 organization and whether whatever the circumstances were because there were different circumstances that led to these black quarterbacks leading the team but whatever the circumstances were the, the end result is is that this organization has a unique place in NFL history with regard to this story um you know I'm so appreciative of Randall Cunningham and Donald McNabb, who gave me a ton of time. You know, I, I went to Las Vegas um, and, I, and I sat down with, with Randall um, in, in his place of work uh, for a couple hours. Um, actually, it might have been three hours all told. And it, it was one of the greatest interviews I've ever had because he was so candid about these things that a lot of things he had not expressed previously and and I think he wanted to get into it that at that stage of his life uh, sat down with Donovan um, for, for, for some time as well I think I think I for some reason I think I, I met up with Donovan in Phoenix yeah well because well he, he, you know he lives in in that area right um, but yeah central to this story and you know I want to start with with Randall because well, Randall is where it starts in, in Philadelphia with black quarterbacks, but I won't even go back a little further with him. You know, Randall, he, he, he's the second round draft pick, as I'm sure you guys know, uh, of the Eagles. First quarterback taken in the 85 draft, but second overall, second round pick. Uh, Jaworski's the quarterback. Uh, you know, Jaworski had a very good run in Philadelphia, as people know. And Randall as a rookie was more of an oddity. Like, it wasn't like, he wasn't, it wasn't like he was the, the heir apparent, okay? Um, he, he was a guy who, he was a, a, a great quarterback at UNLV, but not a traditional football power. Uh, he was also a punter there. You know, he's a brother of Sam Cunningham, who was a great uh, All-American fullback uh, at USC. And Randall could have wound up at USC, but he went to UNLV because he, he, he wanted to be assured of playing quarterback when he wanted to play quarterback. And USC also had a legacy of, 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 letting black players play quarterback, but, you know, he knew he'd have, he knew he would have a lock on the job. You know, me. Anyway, so he gets to Philadelphia, not really used a lot early on. And then, you know, and in, in his second year, you know, Buddy Ryan comes in and, you know, Buddy changed everything. Okay. The thing wasn't working and Buddy changed everything. Even that second year though, he wasn't, he was kind of used in a way where uh, almost like in a wildcat mindset, you know, he, he, he wasn't used as like, okay, you, we're, we're going with you. Jaworski was still the quarterback. And then I think it was week 10, Jaworski gets hurt. Randall gets in there and kind of the rest is history. He becomes the ultimate weapon. This thing that the NFL had never seen. A, a, a dual threat quarterback who could throw it 70 plus yards and outrun, you know, cornerbacks. And, you know, Randall, you know, that, that nickname, that moniker they tapped, you know, they put on the ultimate weapon. For, for the book, I, I had a long conversation with uh, Carl Banks, the uh, great linebacker from those Bill Parcells teams uh, who played opposite Law, uh, Lawrence Taylor on the on the other edge. And 
there's this like, you know, and I'm sure you guys, well, Zach, you may be a little young for this, but the, the, the iconic play on Monday Night Football, Giants-Eagles, when, this, when the NFC East was the big dog on the block, Carl Banks hits Randall Cunningham, should have broken him in half. I mean, that, that's what I mean, Carl Banks yep. did to people. Randall Cunningham puts his, his hand on that, on that old concrete carpet in Veterans Stadium, stabilizes himself, pops up and throws a touchdown pass. I mean, it, it's hard to explain to people now how big that was. That was the water cooler talk in America the next morning, okay? Um, and that really did a lot to further the belief or, or, the, or the, the, the thought process among some that black quarterbacks really could thrive in this league. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Rodney Pete, I think, Zach. Yep. You know, Rodney Rodney Pete did not have a great statistical season in 1995 with the Eagles. I think he threw like eight or nine touchdown passes and had more interceptions than touchdown passes. But he went nine and three as a starter and they and they made it to the playoffs. Now, unfortunately, you know, that was that great Dallas Cowboys buzzsaw of the time. So they weren't gonna get, you know, deep. But you know, Rand, Randall, Rodney. Rodney had, had had success in college at USC. He he gets to Philadelphia. So so again, we see that that Philadelphia, you have Randall Cunningham, then you have Rodney Pete. There's a willingness to 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 let black quarterbacks compete and prove if they can do it or not. And so that's what we saw with those two guys. I know I'm going on and on, so just cut me off, yeah. you know, when, when, whenever you want to. But um, you know, and and, and then we get to to Donovan. You know, Donovan was in that 1999 NFL draft where three black quarterbacks, Donovan, Achilles Smith, and Dante Culpepper were all taken in the first round. Tacit acknowledgement by the league at that point that black quarterbacks were here and they're probably going to be here for a while, so we better start drafting them because they can help us make money. Um, Donovan, I know, gets a bad rap in Philly uh, among a lot of people, and Randall does too because they didn't win a Super Bowl. And we know that quarterbacks are ultimately judged on do they win Super Bowls or not. But, you know, I, I want to offer a defense of, uh, of Donovan. Many organizations would be more than willing to have a decade of sustained success mm-hmm. with a quarterback who's going to go to multiple Pro Bowls. I mean, if it, was, if it was so easy to pick those guys, everybody would do it. Now, I, I don't want to discount Andy's role in this whole thing. Like Andy Reid is one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, you know, and, and he drafted Patrick Mahomes in Kansas city in large part based on his experience with Donovan McNabb, with Donovan McNabb in Philadelphia. So I, I look at the, the three guys who preceded Jalen Hurts with the Eagles, the three guys I just mentioned, Cunningham, Pete, and then Donovan McNabb. And, and two of those guys, you have to say, are pillars in this story of the rise of the black quarterback in the NFL. Absolutely. And uh, I think, I think to the, to the Donovan point, you know, there's a, there's a person in our chat who's saying like, as time has gone on, I, I, I revere Randall even more. And you, you hope that as time goes on, the same thing will, will happen to Donovan. Um, you, you mentioned uh, that those guys are pillars in the story. There's a, there's a full chapter on, on Randall. And uh, there's something that you put very succinctly that, that I thought was really, really well stated and I don't mean to fall into the trap of describing, uh, you know, black quarterbacks as having to be athletic quarterbacks. But but the way that you wrote about Randall, you said uh, Cunningham established that there may be benefits to having the best athlete on the field occupy the most important position, which seems so obvious. Right. 
Um, but it, but it really was Randall who, who maybe made that a thing that was um, understood around the league. I, I wonder, uh, Jason, as you talk to all these guys, all these quarterbacks for the book, how much of a, of a running theme was the added pressure of having to be a black quarterback and set the example and show that the, the league groupthink was not correct? You know, I love that question. and I love it because it comes from 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 this podcast, because. You know, this was something when I sat down with Randall, you know, when I when I went out to Las Vegas to sit down with Randall, I had with every interview I did for the book, I did a ton of research ahead of time. OK, so I I thought I knew everything there was to know about Randall Cunningham when we sat down. Now. You know, Randall grew up in Santa Barbara. OK, again, his brother was a superstar, uh, you know, college football American, you know, Randall. And, and this surprised me when we started talking, because I had, I kind of assumed that you know, based on my research and based upon the time he played in, that he also felt, you know, some weight on his shoulders to, you know, continue the, the kind of pioneering minds, the, the pioneering role to change that, that group think that you're talking about. But, you know, he really he really surprised me because he said, you know, I don't look at myself as a pioneer. He's like, you know, I I. I didn't look at myself like Doug. I didn't look at myself like like Warren. I, I didn't I didn't feel that. And I, and I, and I'm not saying anything out of turn here. I put it in the book. Um, you know, he 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 told me like the first time he had been called the N word. It was so much later in his life, at least to, to, you know that he had heard it. I mean, uh, you know, he could have been called right. you know, but but that he heard it, and it was so shocking to him because the the environment that he grew up in in Santa Barbara. He did not, it was not something that was, black people don't all come from the same areas, okay? We're, we're not a monolith. And I think a lot of times there's this perception that, well, all black people, quote unquote, come from the hood or like a certain type of music or all vote the same way. And that's just not true. And, and you know, Randall, he, he did not feel that burden and he also didn't want it. Like he didn't, he, he, he told me, um, he made this joke when he first got to Philadelphia, like the beat guys were like, okay, the, you're black. There are a lot of black quarterbacks. Have, there haven't been a lot, a lot of black quarterbacks ever. Um, you're the first one here in Philadelphia. And he wanted to diffuse the situation. He didn't want this to be a running theme through his whole career in Philadelphia. So he cracked this joke. He said, oh, I'm black. I'm, I'm, I'm in Philadelphia. I thought I was just a dark skinned Italian. <laughs> now, Nowadays, if you had said something like that, you would get destroyed on Twitter. Okay, but we got to remember this is 1985. Sure, it, it, it was a different time, and so th there were quarterbacks clearly who who had that burden. Um, but Randall did not feel he was a pioneer, and I, I'll be very honest with you, I found it refreshing that he was trying to be very authentic. He didn't want to represent himself as something that he was not and did not set out to be. So a lot of those guys, yeah, I mean, especially the early pioneers, I mean, the Marlon Briscoes of the world, uh, you know, D Shaq James Harris, Doug Williams. But no, um, Randall did not feel that. And, and, you know, Donovan, Donovan came along later. I mean, like, I'm sure Eagles fans, I don't have to tell them about the Rush Limbaugh incident yeah. mm -hmm. with ESPN. And, you know, Donovan had to deal with that. 
but it was still Donovan had 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 come along at a point where barriers were already being you know broken through that he benefited from. Um, the Rush Limbaugh thing showed though that as much progress has been had been made, it, there was still a long way to go. So um, yeah, you, you know, obviously there was pressure, but at least with the case with Randall and I and I didn't talk to Rodney for the beat for the book. So I, I, I can't make an educated comment about how he felt. But no, Randall definitely did not feel that burden, nor did he want it. Now, I I, I was going to ask um, a question similarly about Jalen Hurts. Uh, and I can't speak for Jalen, but he's been on record talking about how how he uh, appreciates the or embraces the legacy of black quarterbacks, particularly in Philadelphia. And you know, Jalen's not necessarily the franchise guy now. There was talk this offseason of potentially replacing him, and the quarterbacks that were discussed were Deshaun Watson and 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 and, and then Russell Wilson. And there's talk about next year's draft, and the top quarterbacks there are Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. And I I frame it that way because um, if you did this book five years from now, what's the context then? Are are you seeing? a sea change in the league? Has that change already occurred? And to tie it into a previous question, and I, I know we're tight on time, but sure, Michael sure. Vick um, being in Philly, you know, we didn't really talk about him. How influential was he for this generation of quarterbacks? Oh, let me say that Michael Vick, uh, in part because of the Madden game, because all these guys grew up watching him, um, but also because after he after he served his time for for you know for the crime he was convicted of and he and he had this career renaissance in Philadelphia and he, he won the comeback player of the year award you know again like you know we we, we talk about Randall and, and Rodney and, and and Donovan but Vic is a big part of the story too okay I mean again they didn't, he didn't win a Super Bowl but he revived his career in Philadelphia playing in a manner that you know I was talking to a to a longtime NFL player personnel executive. He said, like Michael Vick was the most unapologetically black quarterback in in the history of black quarterback. And what he meant by that wasn't a slight on anybody else, but he just meant that Vick played in a way where he did not let the criticisms of his performance affect the way he played in terms of he trying to change what he did. I mean, I talked to black quarterbacks who were pioneers. I remember James Harris told me he never threw the ball as well in the NFL as he did in college because he was always fearful and mindful of the fact that, hey, you know, you're only one bad play from being taken out. You know, now clearly the money involved. I mean, the, the you can't just, you know, cut a guy when, you, when he's making the type of money that a guy like Michael Vick was. But Vick clearly had a major impact in the story as well. And, and, and Zach, as to your other question, what I, the way I frame it in the book is we are now in the era of the black quarterback. You know, if you look at the traditional college powers, and you just mentioned it, the Ohio States, the Alabamas, the USC's, all led by black quarterbacks who are expected to be first-round draft picks. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm an old newspaper guy, okay? And, and I remember when I started covering high school sports, when I got out of college, I would go to these elite quarterback camps. You would not see a black face at any of these things. Now you go to these camps, there are black kids everywhere four, five-star elite recruits who are going to go to the top universities. Even in, in youth football, you know, there, there are youth football all-star camps now, you know, and you see eight, nine-year-olds who are black quarterbacks. 
So from youth football to high school to college to the pros, we are now in the era of the black quarterback, and this pipeline is not going to stop. And if I were to if I were to write this book five years from now, there what I would say is is that there may be there are 32 NFL teams. If you wrote this book five years from now, there may be as many as 12 to 16 elite franchise level black quarterbacks in the NFL. And, and again, I, when I when 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 the Nick Sabins of the world, when the Lincoln Rileys, when these guys are are getting these these young black quarterbacks, and they're winning Heisman trophies, and they're the they're the top players, you know, nationally ranked, you know, in their classes, like this has a sea change effect for the NFL because that's the feeder program. That that's where the NFL that's where the, the NFL gets its talent from. So yeah. Um, Look, there are always going to be great white quarterbacks in the NFL as well. I, I, don't, I don't mean, and, and I, I hope no one listened to this takes away saying, oh, well, oh, they're only going to be black quarterbacks. No, there's not only going to be black quarterbacks in the NFL, but there are 32 teams, mm-hmm. and quarterback is the most important position in team sports. And the reality of it is that there are not enough great quarterbacks currently to go around in the NFL. But I do believe, like I said, in the next five to 10 years, you're going to see many more elite black passers into this league. I believe uh, the projected starters for week one, you've got over a third of the league uh, will be black quarterbacks, 11 guys and, and 13 if, if you expand to just non-white quarterbacks. So yeah. uh, that change is happening, and, and I'm sure that, that it, it will continue to do so. So uh, the book is is Rise of the Black Quarterback, What It Means for America, available wherever uh, books are sold. You can also click the link on uh, on YouTube underneath the video. Jason Reed, thank you so much for joining us. You you even got to escape the question of uh, give us an embarrassing Zach story. So let me, t- let me well. wait, uh, before I get out of here, and I don't I, and, and just shut me up if I if I got to get out right now. But let me just say this: Zach Berman is one of the most talented, hardworking, <laughs> conscientious young. Well, I, I still say he's young because he's younger than me. Young sports writers in this country, and this guy does a fabulous job. I I I had the privilege and pleasure of meeting him when i was covering the uh, washington redskins i think i was on the beat at the time wasn't i yeah i was i was gonna talk you up not you don't have to talk me up you're the here i'll I'll just say this real quickly okay i was so i i I wanted to cover the nfl right that's what i always wanted to do and they send me out uh to cover the you know to to be with you and jason lacanfora and and i i thought i i knew what it took to be a beat writer and then I saw you guys, and it was like, this is how you do the job. And I vividly remember we're sitting at, I believe it was the Spicy Pickle restaurant in Asheville yeah. <laughs> yeah. for, for lunch. And I, I, I needed, I needed uh, to, to get like a little piece of information for a story I was working on. And I, I won't say the player, but all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, I just texted him. You're good. And, and you got me that information. And I'm like. That's how you do it, right? You don't have to wait until locker room, and you don't have to make this interview request. I was like, this guy knows how to how to how to. So I I learned how to cover the NFL from Jason. Oh, man. Hey Zach, I appreciate that, um, dude. Proud of you. You've done a you you you've done a fabulous job. You're gonna keep doing a fabulous job. Just so happy to see all your success, my man. I appreciate that, Jason. Thank you. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we'll take a little break here on Birds with Friends and be back and, and talk some Eagles. And Marissa, maybe we can scrub the nice things that Jason said about <laughs> Zach from the, the audio version. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. Back on Burns with Friends. Bo, Zach, and Marissa. Marissa joining us again. Uh, Zach, how are you feeling? Are, are, your, are your cheeks still flush from the, uh, from the gazing up from Jason Reed? I've, I appreciate that. I I can't vouch for what he said, but I can vouch for what I said. He is he is awesome. And when you're, you know, 22 years old and you get to work like with with someone like that, um, it's it's like it's it's winning the lottery. And I, I won the lottery interning that summer and, and being around all the people there, Jason high among them. So, uh, yeah, that it was it was great having him on. And make sure you guys uh, check out the book Rise of the Black Quarterback. Did you think about changing your name to Jason? Then Jason Lacanfora and Jason Reed. So you oh. figured like if I'm gonna be on a beat, I have to be a Jason Berman. No, but it it honestly was like it was eye opening for me, right? You know, I I covered the Syracuse football team, the Syracuse basketball team, and I, I I thought I knew how to be a beat writer, and then you see them, and it's like that's how you do it. And uh, I'm still I'm I'm still I'm still learning every day, right? But uh, but they were they were awesome. So I appreciate Jason coming on. Happy for his book. Yeah, and 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 please do read the book. And and uh, I thought it was a good conversation. And, and I think it's you know important not just because it's a it's a it's an important topic league wide, and because he worked with you, but it, it is I think uh, an undercurrent of this Eagle season. And and yep. you talked about it like you know Jalen Hurts has has talked about guys like like Cam Newton who he looked up to, yep. um, and just the. Uh, like the visibility of that uh, was was very helpful for him, and and I also think it's it's interesting, and, and this is one of the things that Jason talked about. But like the the thing that Nick Sirianni said a couple weeks ago about how like sometimes we get on Jalen Hurts for leaving the pocket early, right? Um, and it doesn't have to be that he's doing the wrong thing. Like if if the re, if it's read one, read two, and then go get ten yards, like the, getting that ten yards as opposed to like your third read checking it down to the slot receiver or the, you know, the, the back in the, uh, in the flat for like five, six yards. Like why is, why is one thing considered uh, like the right way to play versus another thing that, that is like equally successful or, or maybe even more so. Um, and I think, I think Jalen Hurts has done a good job of like uh, not apologizing for that and like embracing that that's how he plays the game. And so I don't know, it's, it's uh it's just it's it's something that I think will, you know, be something that that is an undercurrent of the year. Well said. I I didn't want to interject because a he was a guest and b we were the time we were pretty tight on it. But I was gonna say you and I are the same age, right? <laughs> I think he framed it. I think yeah, he framed he, it like no, you were he doesn't like, know I, me. I know, but it was, I wasn't it was a just... snapper and fighting around his ankles. <laughs> But did you get that impression too, Marissa? That that he thought Bo was like the the like uh, the grizzled uh, the grizzled. No, he was, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was saying it made him feel old that you were I this know. old. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. No, I I I, I get it, I get it. Uh, but no, it was it was uh, it was good, and and we are, are you, we're getting between the two of us. You're a month older or something like that. What, what's the? Yeah, you're June 11th on March 22nd. So yeah, a few months. Wow. Old. Um, I can't believe you gave away your birth date. The man who's so so. Uh, <laughs> Everybody write that down. Everybody March write that down. Keep that for Zach's passwords that you're trying to break into. <laughs> Three twenty-two. I probably shouldn't have said that. Um, but uh, no, I I do want to say to our audience here, um, 
you know, we had a great breakfast in Cleveland or outside Cleveland, Bo, Marissa, and me, when you guys teased me for getting steak and eggs. But uh, well, one, of the topics, <laughs> yeah, one of the topics we discussed was potential guests this year. And we have a list of guests that were interested in, in, in getting on the show. But if there's anything that – if there's anyone that you're interested in, leave it in the chat, and, and we'll see. I mean, Bo's got a lot of connections, so and so does Marissa. So we'll see if we can pull it back. And so do you. You got yeah. Jason. Jimmy, you got our first, our first one. Yeah. 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 So so we'll see if we if if we can pull it off. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right, Zach. So the last we talked, the Eagles had just cut their roster to fifty three. Uh, it is still at fifty three, but there have been some transactions made since. And so before we get to what we learned at the Novacare Complex today or anything like that, well, I think it's about time we send it over the stone cold newsman for the latest on the moving and shaking done by howie roseman in the days since the initial roster cutdown. well breaking news is a good way to frame this because we had breaking news right before we came on the podcast i actually don't know if all our listeners know this so i will update you this is from another person who taught me how to cover the nfl and that's mike garofolo uh, from the NFL Network, Mike Garofolo reports that Eagles tackle Andre Dillard suffered a non-displaced fracture in his forearm in practice today, per sources. Uh, further testing is needed to determine the best course of action and timeline for a return, but the expectation is Dillard will be available for the majority of the season. So that's the that's that's a fairly notable injury. I know he's not a starter, but he's their backup left tackle, and uh, so we will monitor that. Other than turkeys, that, how many turkeys would you wager on uh, Derek Barnett being responsible for that injury? <laughs> uh, 23. I don't know. What would you, do you think it's more? You think, you think he did know. something that happy to displace it? It wasn't even like it wasn't even a padded practice. How did he yeah, break exactly. a forearm? I don't know if he fell the wrong way or something of that nature. Uh, but 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 that's a, a notable injury, and we'll get we'll get more. The Eagles are off this weekend, but we'll certainly get more when they're back at practice. Next week, uh, to, so to get you updated, uh, the Eagles traded Jalen Rager, former first-round pick, 2020 first-round pick, traded him to the Minnesota Vikings where he will team with Justin Jefferson. They get back a seventh-round pick uh, in, in 2023 and a fourth-round pick in 2024 that could become a fifth-round pick if Jalen Rager does not – if if he why is it does, does not meet certain th uh, thresholds, right? So it's not like a fifth-round pick that becomes a fourth rounder. If Rager hits certain thresholds, it's a fourth round pick that becomes a fifth rounder. If he doesn't no, hit certain thresholds. No, it's the same thing. It's a fifth that becomes a fourth. It's it's why are we framing it? This, this Eagle centric way. That's different than every other way. Wait, no, framed. no, because the way I understand it is if, is it's, if he doesn't, it's so like, 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 like usually it's a fifth. And then if they have 50 catches or something, it becomes a fourth. Right, right. I, I guess it's the same it's, thing. You can say it's still, yeah. It's the whatever. However, you frame it, it's the exact same thing. thing. It's so just, they frame we don't it know like what the benchmarks are. Yeah, like a, there's like de-escalating uh, things there. Yeah, anyway, it's not. Why yeah, are we yeah. being? Why are we just like so you're eating saying, this so you're trough? Saying, like this is what they're so you're telling saying, us. We're, yeah. Yes, you're saying it's a fifth that becomes a fourth if he hits these things. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're right. You're right. It's the same yeah. thing either way. Well said. Okay. So let's. That's a, probably a better way of framing it. You're right. You're right, um, as I'm thinking about it, correct. Uh, the Eagles also, um, they waived Davion Taylor, who they literally just re-signed to the practice squad tonight. Um, Davion Taylor, the third-round pick from that year. So we had something 
online the other night about how the class of 2020 survived the top of it. Uh, they survived for one day. Rager and Taylor well, out, out the door the next if day. If you read between yeah. the lines, you know, yeah. it said survived for now. Yeah, and we exactly. talked about it on the podcast, they'd still like to trade Rager. And if it, someone's going to get waived, it's good, most likely going to yeah. be Davion Taylor or Kayvon Wallace. So Ex exactly. uh, I think I think we, we called that one correctly. Well said. You did. Uh, then um, the Eagles, uh, they claimed two players off of waiver during this off of waivers. They, they claimed Ian Book, the quarterback uh, from the New Orleans Saints, a fourth-round pick last season, started a game before that, played at Notre Dame, the winningest quarterback, I believe, in Notre Dame history or certainly up there. And then today they they claimed third-round or, or, or 2021 third-round pick, Trey Sermon from the San Francisco 49ers. You might remember him from Ohio State at Oklahoma before that. Set Ohio State's single-season or, or single-game rushing record in the Big Ten Championship uh, back in, in December 2021. He was expected to be the top guy for the 49ers last year. Uh, he gets banged up. Elijah Mitchell looks good. Elijah Mitchell becomes the running back. Flex doesn't make the team. Yeah, doesn't make the team this year. Uh, so you you look, you have to wonder why he didn't make that team. But in terms of draft pedigree and in terms of college pedigree, uh, the Eagles getting a third and fourth rounder from the 2021 draft at positions where they have pending free agents. So Pay attention to both of those players, I guess, behind the scenes. We'll try to give you whatever updates we can there. Otherwise, the Eagles filled out their practice squad. Um, the usual suspects, I would say. Most of the guys who we expected are back, including Coyote Awashika. Um, and and uh, from the outside, the Eagles signed LaMichael P a P. Ryan. It, 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 I, I know Samaj goes by P. Ryan. Does LaMichael go by P. Ryan as well? Uh, well, I imagine so. Okay, yes. Um and so LaMichael P. Ryan from the Jets, he was, what, a fourth-round pick two years ago? And he becomes the second Gator in the building in, a, in as many days um, because Chauncey Garner-Johnson came in earlier this week. So uh, that's your news. We'll wrap it up with this, is that Eagles practiced this today. That's where Dillard got hurt. Uh, Miles Sanders back on the practice field today. Jason Kelsey back on the practice field yesterday. We don't know the extent of participation yet, but it's a positive sign for both those guys. Uh, and the Eagles are off this weekend, as are the Browns, so Marissa can get to finally see her <laughs> husband. And then um, the Eagles will be back uh, early next week, and it's a it's a game week. So we'll have much to report on next week's pod. Thanks for that back report, you, Zach. Yes. We'll see yes. you later. <laughs> uh, okay, a couple things to unpack there. Um, first of all, let me just let me just very quickly uh, on the practice squad. Uh, Anthony Harris is back, uh, yes. which is which is important, and I think I think there's most likely some roster uh, chicanery coming there. I wouldn't. I, I would imagine he's probably going to be elevated for uh, week one from the practice squad, and then maybe re-signed in week two. Uh, it I think it improves the Eagles' safety depth. Um, I mean, it definitely improves the Eagles' safety depth. Uh, I think it, he's a fine third safety. He especially with Chauncey Gardner Johnson uh, like transitioning. In the beginning, I would expect that we might even see Anthony Harris on the field a little bit. Um, you want to you talk Trey Sermon first? You want to talk Jalen Rager first? You want to talk Andre Dillard first? Let's let's probably talk Rager first. Uh, okay. Because, look, I, it's, it's not something that can be glossed over. It doesn't have a material effect on this year's team, right, other than punt return, which I'll, I'll give my quick take there. I, I, I'd expect Britton Covey at this point, to be the Eagles punt returner. I imagine they'll elevate him uh, for next week's game, and then they'll figure it out from there. Um, but 
it, it from a big picture perspective, covering the team the way we do, um, there's this is significant, right? Uh, he was the first round pick in 2020. Clearly, did not work out. We saw that, um, you know, in the past two years. Fell, he was down the depth chart this year, and still only 23 years old. Uh, but there's probably much to to debrief organizationally from that draft experience. My takeaway. And look, I'll also say it's not second-guessing to say Justin Jefferson because literally the first question Howie Roseman got after they drafted Jalen Rager was, why'd you draft him over Justin Jefferson? And leading into the draft, the thought was the Eagles could be in position to land Justin Jefferson. Um, but what I'll say is that the the I think the takeaway for the organization is to don't try, you know, draft a player and not a fit, right? Especially that high in the draft. And if you don't think a player of that, you know, who's an, out, who's an outstanding prospect fits for you, then the problem is you and your scheme and your coaches. It's not the player. Um, so the 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 uh, logic or the methodology behind drafting Jalen Rager, in my opinion, was flawed. I totally agree. And it's part of why, you know, when, when Howie Roseman was talking this offseason about, you know, getting on uh, – more of a same page with the the coaching staff in terms of what they were looking for for that year's draft. My my ears perked up a little bit. Um, I think all of that makes sense, but you can't like you can't overweight that. Um, and I think also a general lesson is like don't follow um, Shields' wide receiver advice. <laughs> but that's that's more for the for the league writ large. I um, I, I got to say I'm I'm not I'm not buttering you up, but your wide receiver advice. I was I was I was looking at like uh, wide receiver rankings. Mm. Your wide receiver advice is awesome. Like mm. like Gabe, at least in late rounds, maybe not in early rounds, but in late rounds, you were all over Gabe Davis. You were all Gabe over Davis, Quez, my guy. You were all over Quez Watkins. Yeah, those are my two right? guys. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so Elijah Mitchell and running back. Let's not forget yeah. my yeah. Now my running back track. Now record. your 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 ridicule of T Higgins shall not be forgotten. I but... never ridiculed T Higgins. <laughs> My that, now JJ. that was a that was a that was an overcorrection for fit. Oh, so I, okay. I'll oh, take gotcha. the loss there. Okay. I, I'm okay. pretty sure I wrote I like T Higgins, the player. I, he doesn't make sense after you just drafted JJ Think okay. Whiteside, which Fair enough. maybe that was a dumb thing to say because you don't you don't you don't think that JJ's blocking somebody. Um, sure. But I like T Higgins, uh, and I you know I you know I hated your boy your boy Lavisca Lavisca. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still on Lavisca Island. So okay. I'm uh, I'm not selling that stock yet. Everything I mean, look, you and Urban Meyer are are like are like two peas in a pod here, right? How dare I you? Mean, <laughs> I mean, we have nothing in common. <laughs> Urban, well, well, you 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 both didn't have much uh, uh, use for Lavisca Chanel. Urban uh, did not take advantage of him, and Mike and and, and well, maybe Matt done. Rule, maybe Matt Rule and Ben McAdoo could could do something. So we'll see. Um, but no, I, I say that in jest. Uh, well, I'm curious. What do you think? What do you think happens next in, in, in Rager's career? Do you think he's a piece in Minnesota? It's uh, I'm torn because like I do, I do want him to have a career like uh, he, you know, there was all the like there, there's like the social media back and forth. And I think he's I think he is too rabbit eared. I think it certainly would be best for his career if he uh, logged off. Uh, but you know, I could say the same for myself, and I'm not logging off. So, um, I respect that. You know, poster respects a poster. Um, 
I just, I, I mean, I don't see it. First of all, the track record of guys drafted in the first and second round who have been that unproductive while being healthy over the first two years of their career is is really dire. Uh, there is not a lot of a track record of, of those guys ever turning into like starting caliber receivers. Um, I think I think a, a change of scenery is definitely going to do him well. Um, the problem is that like I just that that explosiveness that was billed never really showed up, and he he is not really a make you miss kind of guy, and like he's not a reliable punt returner. So I don't think he's carving out a a, a role as like a, a specific punt returner. I think he can be a like a a fourth slash third receiver. I think that's fine. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a strong KJ Osborne opinion, but like if KJ Osborne goes down, I could see Jalen Rager pitching in and, and being productive in that offense with nobody paying attention to him. Uh, as I said, maybe he's, maybe he's just better in purple, but like, <laughs> it's a good line. I mean, he was, I, and I respect that. Like he was good in camp uh, better than he's than he has been. But I, you know, if you're, if you're, asking me to make a bet on is he going to carve out a role as a like a number three receiver my my answer is is no um and i i can't believe and i and i know that like in the grand scheme of things it's not a lot i can't believe what the vikings gave up for jalen rager a yeah, fifth I mean, I mean even if it doesn't uh escalate or or non-de-escalate yeah i can't a yeah. fifth and a seventh like yeah, to That's save true. the like the Eagles are desperate to get rid of this guy because it's it totally changes their 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 cap situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Eagles should have been the team giving up a seventh. I mean, unless the league has a, has a different evaluation of right. Jalen Rager. I, I, look, I I think uh, I I I always try to think about it this way. If if I was if if the trade if the inverse was occurring, right? Like if the Eagles were acquiring a third-year receiver who was what the twenty-first pick in the draft two years ago, and uh, you know had a weird situation where he would you know the first, you know, the coach got fired after the first year, a new offense like there you can probably talk yourself into it right you can be like oh there's there's untapped potential here. Oftentimes it doesn't go that way. I said we were all fair the other day, but I was talking to our friend DJ Smith um, about the the thing I got like wrong the most during my time on the beat and I, I have no qualms in saying this I was most wrong about Doriel Green Beckham right like most like I thought man the Eagles got a steal how he took their lunch here Doriel Green Beckham was a second round pick like he got that he got all that talent in his frame and like Dennis Kelly that's a replacement level tackle and Dennis Kelly chugging the along, league. chugging. I, I think I think it got cut by the Colts, but was still yeah, but going on. Yeah, he's still and in then, the league. And then Doriel was out. And and the thing that like the thing that that taught me was that, and and you always point. I give I give you credit a lot on the show, but I'll give you credit for this. There's always a reason why someone's traded, why someone's being traded. And the first question you need to ask yourself is like, why are they giving this guy up? Right. Right. And, and and perhaps there's a logical reason for it, but oftentimes if a team thinks that there's talent there that can be tapped, they're going to do everything they can to tap it and trading a first round pick or a second round pick like the Eagles did with JJ. That's often the last resort, right? It's, it's never like, you know, we think this is what's best for his career. Right. I, I heard it at an interview where it was framed like that way. No, I mean, yeah, you, it, it, it ran its course. Otherwise, 
you try to do everything you can. You know, Jerry Reese, when I was covering the Giants, used to have this expression, you have to let talent fail, right? And the thought is, like, keep these guys around for as long as you can. Because I wrote about Brandon Graham today. It, you know, there were a confluence of things that factored into it. And then year five, it starts to pop a bit. Or year four into year five. Um, no, no, year five started to pop. So anyways, uh, I don't know if I would say Jalen Rager will ever be, um, you know, the type of receiver the Eagles expected when they drafted him 21 overall. But if you take away the draft pedigree, I agree. I think he, he, he could be your third, fourth receiver. He can play inside, outside. I don't know about the returning. He's going to have to get more dependable in those situations. But with the ball in his hands, he, he can still make some plays. Well, it's a natural transition, Zach, uh, to, I guess, let's do Trey Sermon because, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, the Eagles are not, you know, there's there's no real skin in the game here. They put in a waiver claim, and he's going to be yep. their fourth running back. But I think uh, I think if you're, like, anchoring his value to uh, this is, like, a recent third-round pick, I would, I would imagine that the history of third-round picks who are released a year later uh, is it's pretty bad. Like, I, I think, first of all, like, that that is a – he's coming to a very running back-friendly offense. That is a running back-friendly offense. I think if they are willing to uh, cut bait on Trey Sermon, our, our expectations for, for him should be very low. Look, yeah, that's that's fair. Now, the the Shanahan, the Kyle Shanahan running back roulette um, is a very odd one, right? Like, they give $30 million to Jarek McKinnon. I know he got hurt, but then, like, he falls down the depth chart. They drafted, I think, Joe Williams in the fourth round. He's not there. You know, it, it, it's it's like, and, and you even saw this back with uh, with his father, Mike Shanahan, with, with similar schemes, right? Mm. It's Belindus like. Gary. Yeah, it's like the less pedigreed you are, the more excited they get about you, right? Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a worthwhile flyer to take. Like you said, it, it, it didn't cost them anything. He was a guy who 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 you could probably get excited about if they drafted him last year. You know, he, he didn't have, uh, or he, I almost butchered the expression, he had more tread on his tires than some other running backs because he was he was never like a, like a 1,500-yard guy in college. Um, he, he was always in these committee type backfields, came on late in his college career, but was productive, um, at Oklahoma was productive at Ohio state. And I know there's a thought that he's, he's like a, um, a power back. Uh, I, I saw in, I, I was, I was reading Dane Brugler's draft report today of him. And Dane said, actually, like between the tackles, he doesn't run like as powerfully as, as you might want. Um, but, uh, what's that? I said, that sounds good. That's encouraging. Yeah. But, um, but, but Dane actually had him ranked fairly high. Uh, I'll, I'll pull up the full report in a bit, but, um, look, the Eagles are in a situation. Miles Sanders is a pending free agent, Boston Scott pending free agent, right? Um, you know, they have Gainwell in here, but they, they could use, if they can get a rotational back for next season. I I think they're going to be in position to draft a running back or sign a back next year, or or perhaps even keep Miles Sanders. But yeah, this, I mean Trace uh, Trace Sermon is definitely a worthwhile, uh, it's a worthwhile waiver claim. Costs you nothing, and there's upside there. Now, Marissa, this has been a big show for Zach. He got you know a big day for Zach. I think so. He got he got to talk to Jason Reed today. You know he got to to listen to the Jason Reed plaudits. But I would say that that was not the highlight of Zach's day. The highlight of Zach's day was during Nick Sirianni's press conference. 
when Nick Sirianni was asked about Ian Book, who the Eagles claimed, the fourth-round pick of the Saints. And when Nick Sirianni mentioned that he has a good relationship with Tommy Reese, the the uh, Notre Dame offensive coordinator who coached Ian Book and who coached underneath Sirianni in uh, San Diego. Zach's chest puffed out. <laughs> as My if, chest did not puff out. My chest I mean, it was like... Like a peacock? He, oh, he was peacocking to like the extreme. It was like he was he was like, look at me, look at me. He's 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 like radiating that he, he's like just machismo and look at me. And he deserved it because he called it. But I mean, Zach, well, I mean it was I, I've never I've never seen someone bask in someone else's press conference interview quite like that. Well, no, okay. First off. I, that characterization is not accurate. All right. There was like a, like I nodded my head. Right. Because I look, he looked over at me and gave me a little nudge. Yeah. He was like, oh, yeah. What are you? I was like, yeah, I heard it. <laughs> look, you see sometimes, you know, I, I, I think, uh, I think it was Howie and Joe Douglas a few years ago. We're talking about this cohabitation matrix and it, it's become like a running joke. And I think sometimes you see connections that you're like, no, that had no factor into it, right? Like I, I see on, on Twitter sometimes, yeah, this guy's, this guy's cousins with the brother of, of, you know, the quality control coach at this place. So that's, you know, so the Eagles can ask him about that guy, right? A lot of times that's, that's not the case. I do think, and from, you know, with, with quarterbacks in particular, um, the background with quarterbacks, and I, I was doing a lot of work on Sirianni when the Eagles hired Sirianni. Um, back in January 2021. And one thing I, when I was asking about his Chargers days, like who knows him well, I was I heard about this one year in 2016 when Tommy Reese worked under him and was uh, they were like really close. And I read this Notre Dame story when Tommy Reese got hired as OC, when Sirianni basically was like talking him up and all the stuff that's now. Uh, by the way, I didn't know Sirianni at the time, and I realized – if I had read that now, I might have like, well, Sirianni talks everybody up, right? So, but at the time, yeah. So I, I, in the draft, I had always, I've, I, I've been monitoring Notre Dame guys, knowing that, I would say Notre Dame offensive guys, knowing that Sirianni connection. So I was not basking in it, but when I saw that they, uh, when I saw Ian Book was available, I thought if, if Tommy Reese likes him, I could see Sirianni liking him. Now I should also add, and this you were lathering out, yourself in that. I was not lathering myself, but let's let's not give that. And uh, and I'll give credit to uh, to uh, Jordan Schultz here, and this has been a few other places. The Eagles also put a claim in for Kellen Mond. Now yeah, I wonder I, who they, I wonder yeah. who their priority was. Yeah, that's the thing. We don't know who their priority was because the Browns are above the Eagles on the list. So if the Eagles had Mond as the priority, then. So I just learned that today. Explain that because I did not know that. I thought it was just like the order you go through, but apparently you have position priority in your claims. Yeah, both. sure. So the Eagles, yeah. like, you know, they wouldn't, uh, you have to open up however many spots you need, but you also, like, if you're saying you want a quarterback, you can rank, prioritize rank uh, what you want there. So we don't know who their priority would, would have been. Um, but yeah, there's lots of, there's lots of little like tweaks and uh, things you can do on, on the waiver wire. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, real quick, because we mentioned the press conference and the last podcast, apparently we did not mention oh. that how we talked about your dinner date 
and the YouTube had like all these comments about it. So being the producer that I am, I have to follow up on that. So, so that I, I, I give this to you. Uh, so, <laughs> so for those of you who didn't know, when uh during Howie Roseman's we, press we conference, talked about it on the pod though. Zach oh, okay. asked a question and I followed up and it was like okay. a very uh it was a very simpatico like teammate type thing no it was you asked the question first then I asked the next next one then you followed up on my question so it was like bang okay. bang bang yes and Howie said oh this is like there's like their dinner or something or something like it's that. like their dinner date yes because because we were at the restaurant where we yeah, had we every right to well, be. We didn't there mention. We never said that Howie was there, but Howie yeah, has himself now that he's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to respect. I was look, Howie. Yeah. I viewed everything that night as off the record, man. I mean, <laughs> look, I, I respect. I know when he, when I, he... I respect those boundaries. All right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Howie, you can trust that. Like, if something's off the record with me, you know, that's off the <laughs> record, right? But I, I didn't realize that dinner was was for public consumption at a press conference. <laughs> Good thing you, the mistress wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> That'd have been good if he said that. If he was like, oh, it's like it's like well, they're dinner with their mistress the other night. Well, throw that it, out. It, it would be funnier if he said, and they were eating from the Miami spice menu. <laughs> <laughs> like if he's like, this looks like your your dinner date with the Miami, Miami spice menu. You, you paupers. <laughs> Um, uh, anyways yeah so yeah i i did see sorry that to, to no problem no look, do you think that do you think that howie roseman intentionally waited until after the 53 men roster cut down to make the jalen rager trade so he wouldn't have to answer questions about it i don't i've heard that theory i don't now i look i'm not going to dispute that that howie can be uh you know strategic with either timing or news or things of, of that nature but given everything you know i i I would love, I, I can't imagine how he's going to, to invite me on this. I would love to be a fly on the wall on that day when they're cutting the roster, right? So they're, they're meeting with, you know, we've, we've seen this on hard knocks. They're, they're meeting with all these players, right? At the same time, they're kind of making these last minute decisions. They're negotiating trades. Um, there's a lot going on there. I can't speak to what's going on with the Vikings in, in, in that situation, but I got to think that, if they had this deal agreed upon before the 53, it would have been cleaner just to make it then. I don't think Howie did it to skirt scrutiny or questions from Speaking it. Speaking of mistresses. <laughs> skirt. Okay. I, I didn't make that connection, Bo. Um, but, um, but no, I, I, I don't think that. I'm, I, I mean, perhaps I'm, I'm, I'm I don't, naive. I mean, I don't think he – yeah. I, I bet that it crossed his mind, and he's like, he was like, "Oh, that's kind of nice," yeah. but I don't I know. think you've, he made a decision that on based on that. You've accused me of being idealistic and and like seeing the best in people, and perhaps I'm being guilty of that here. I don't think Howie, Howie, I, I think Howie was making the move at the time that was right for him and the team. Well, there were reports that that they were talking yeah. on Monday, sure, uh, or on Tuesday rather. So yes, I mean it was it was in the works. Yes. Maybe it was the kind of thing where where. Uh, the Vikings thought they were calling the Eagles bluff that they weren't willing to keep him on the initial roster or something mm -hmm. like that. And then Good once point. they were, then, yeah. okay, okay, fine. We'll give you the escalator to a fourth. Like, also, like, if 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 the Eagles... Only um, if you call it a de-escalator. You know, if, if the Eagles wanted an open roster spot for the book claim, they could have made this trade before uh, the, the claims... Yeah, I don't know right? how that all works because I think... Okay. 
I, I think the trade wouldn't process until gotcha. the same time as the waiver. So I don't think that you can you do think. it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I think Schefter tweeted today that they didn't have to make spot a spot for Sermon because well they had an open spot. Yeah. No. Right. So from, they waived uh, Davion Taylor to make yes. room for the Ian Book yes. claim because you, everything processes at once in a cycle. So gotcha. it's not like you make the trade at uh, you know twelve fifteen and that your spot is open. And yep. then you can, you have to, everything processes it at one time. So, gotcha. Okay. So that makes sense then. So then, and, and the other thing, maybe that's my understanding. The Vikings wanted to see how, how, how the claims went. Maybe they had an eye on a receiver for free, right? So right. you never know. Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, I'm not going to give, give the media much credit on the, on, on that one. I, I don't think Howie was worried about, Howie knows how to answer questions in a press conference. I'll put it that way. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and then uh, on Dillard, Zach. Um, speaking of trades, you know, I, I think I think Ian Rappaport put out there that the Eagles had some opportunities to trade Dillard over the past few weeks. Uh, we talked about why we didn't think that was going to happen because it was hard to match the value that he holds to the Eagles as the uh, trustworthy backup at a at a premium position versus what the league might view of him. Um, and now he's out for who knows how long sounds like maybe about half a season or something like that. Um, that's not ideal, obviously not for Dillard's uh, market value come the off season or, or for the Eagles in the short term, obviously Jordan, my health becomes even yeah. more important. Uh, my assumption is you'll probably see like LaRaven Clark elevated from the, from the practice squad. Um, not signed to the active roster, just a game day activation, but he will probably become the likely top backup left tackle. Although. You know, you got a stud sitting there on the practice squad too who can do it. But well, so we'll the interesting Josh thing Bills, there I don't know. is that in 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 to give our audience perspective on this, you can elevate a guy three times without exposing him to waivers, right? So in essence, the Eagles can waive him. Or I'm sorry, can can elevate Clark three weeks in a row. But if this is an extended injury, then every time thereafter, if they elevated him, then Clark. Is exposed. Well, he wouldn't be. Exp I don't know how it is with the vested veterans. Are, 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 would they then? I think, think they are too. Okay, so then they're exposed to wait. I could now. be wrong. Yeah, but uh, you can only elevate two guys, and so far this it, podcast, you guys have mentioned three. That's true. Harris, that's a good point. I thought, it was, point. I thought you could elevate more than I thought you could elevate four, but I guess I was wrong. You're right. I believe it's two. It two. Okay. Yeah. Right? So I. So I think. Well, the, the thing is this. They can. I put, mean, Jack Driscoll. They can. They can like supercharge uh, him playing on the left side, maybe. But well, if, or Sills. If, yeah, I mean, if 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 Dillard's out for half the season, he'll go on IR, and they'll get you know they'll yeah. they'll be able to use that roster spot whether it's on a backup left tackle or on Covey if you know if they want to keep. Yeah, a because team from Clark's Covey. a veteran, so you probably don't want to do Clark. You probably exactly. You probably do Covey and then yeah, have a fifth receiver. Elevate, make him elevate your Clark and Harris. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's it's funny idea. that like it's funny that that uh, like great. I appreciate that, Marissa. Thank you. It's funny that like the season's about to start. There are all these uh, like big picture Eagles topics that uh, like national podcasts are talking about. Uh, like all these different interesting questions, and we spend like thirty minutes on on uh, <laughs> the the very very esoteric machinations of the fifty third roster spot. But you know that's what that's what the sickos want. Yeah, that's the one thing I've 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 learned with with working with Bo. Uh, and I look, I I would never use um, like private conversations. 
public. I, I don't think, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here. Uh, we were talking with our editor earlier this week and he makes a comment and I have to share this on the pod. He's like, cause he's still, it's, it's a, it's a, a, a new editor who's, who's still learning about us. And he's like, yeah, Bo, you really like offensive linemen. <laughs> and I'm like, absolutely. Like there is nothing Bo likes talking about more than the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th offensive line spots. Is that fair to say? Listen, you're the guy who's always talking about, you know, you got to build a team through the trenches. I'm trying. You're right. To... You're right. But I'm... I think I like those spots too. Oh, I think, there I think you go. we can all get yeah. on board with go. that. <laughs> well said, Marissa. Um, That's where the most important people are. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, the, and, and so I, I was actually, I was talking to someone about this today and to, to bring Jason back into the conversation when I was, so I'm, I'm starting, I, I'm starting out at the Washington post and I'm writing, uh, I'm going to cover Virginia, Virginia Tech. And at the time, Virginia Tech had a, a quarterback controversy between Sean Glennon and Tyrod Taylor. And I remember talking to my editor. And saying, yeah, I, he never corrected me back then. Okay. Um, and I, I said something of, of the nature. Uh, my editor was, his, his name was Matt. And I, I was like, Matt, I, I've written about Glennon and Tyrod every week for the past four weeks. And he's like, and you're going to keep writing about him because that's what people want to read, right? They want to read about the quarterback. Um, and uh, and so it's kind of like the old newspaper man in me gets drilled in my head. Oh, let's just talk quarterback. Let's just talk quarterback. But, no, the sickos want to back up offensive linemen. Yeah. Other yeah. people are going to write about the quarterback. <laughs> All right. We need to take another break. Uh, so let's do that. We'll come back and uh, close this bad boy out. You're listening to Birds with Friends. Bo, Marissa, Zach, you know the deal. All right, back on Birds with Friends, a new uh, Z-Biotics ad read. Uh, some discussion in the chat. This has nothing to do with Z-Biotics, but people are curious if Zach has ever been hungover. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been hungover. Right? When mean, was the last time? Um, Tomorrow morning, he's, he's hungover with joy from the Tommy Reese mention. <laughs> uh, probably, I would say, when I was... Uh, I went away with my wife this summer and yeah, we had a, you know, yeah, I was probably hung over the next morning a bit, not too much. Right. I tried to be smart with, you know, I, I never wanted to be that guy who like, who, who you say, Oh, last night was so crazy. I don't remember a thing. That doesn't sound fun to me. Like I, I want to remember everything I did. Right. So yeah. So I, I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. So it, it, I feel yeah. like there are some things that like keep you up at night that it would be better if you forgot. <laughs> No, that's so. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, maybe so. I, I just look. You want to be responsible, and you want to be, yeah. You always want to be responsible. I'll put it that way. So, uh, Marissa Zach told me today when I sat down at the uh, at the press conference, he said, "Oh, my uh, my cousin saw you this morning." I was like, "Oh, okay." And he's like, uh, "Yeah, he said you you didn't look ready for the day." Like, yeah, it was like seven twenty five in the morning. I had to run out to move my sister's car. Uh, just like, you know, grabbed a t-shirt, walked out. I didn't know I was being, being stalked, but. Were you in your jammies? I mean, I was in shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops, <laughs> like walking a couple blocks to move a car. Like, he didn't think, he, he, he caught me, he caught me uh, a little early on. He's like. Like the paparazzi. He said you uh, didn't look ready for the day. <laughs> I was being polite. Yeah. <laughs> must say, yeah. I can only imagine the description. 
like nah, he, looked, he, he looked haphazard you know? he's he's a huge Bo wolf fan he's listening yeah he's not he, he doesn't watch it on youtube but he'll be listening shout out to, to lee car tomorrow shout out to lee and he, i imagine he was a little probably starstruck by seeing by seeing a celeb you know it's like stars they're just like us yeah exactly yeah yeah like stars. Us. i was gonna say yeah. uh you know ding dongs or whatever no jabronis they're just like us there's a Philadelphia version of Us Magazine. You'll be in there. Yeah, it's trying I to move not. your car, right? So, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> tough, tough life. Uh, all right, Zach. Um, what's coming up next week? We got a we got yeah. a big we got a big long list to get to next week. We've got to do our season over under draft. We have to do our Eagles predictions. We got to mm -hmm. turn the actual focus to the Lions. Lots of stuff. Yeah, so you know, I I I always put thought into this in terms of I think the week one opponent you don't really get too much into the matchup, right? It's a lot of big picture season preview stuff, and you really don't know how that matchup's going to fare. And week one games can be kind of um, you know gimmicky sometimes. It's now these are both second year coaches, uh, and I'm I'm curious to see this is this is gonna be a big week for the Eagles. The Eagles are mostly healthy. Right, the Dillard injury adds a wrinkle to it, but unless Javon Hargrave, unless there's there's something there, um, they'll have all 22 starters, all 22 projected starters on the field. Uh, I I don't have the point spread here. Can our uh, listeners give us what the point spread is, if if if, if you know it offhand? I imagine the Eagles will be healthy favorites going into Detroit. Um, I imagine that Detroit crowd's going to be excited. Uh, but three and a half for the Eagles. Three and a half. Okay. Um, I, I think the Eagles are going to, you know, I look, look, we'll get into this next week, but, uh, this is a game that, that the Eagles, you know, should be able to handle, but there's gonna be a lot of time to talk about this matchup next week, but, but, but to reset for you, the, as I said, the Eagles are off this weekend and then they're in a traditional game week next week. The only thing that's different is typically Monday is your day after game stuff. Um, and I, I think they might be off on, on Monday this week. I think they're going to return on Tuesday next week. And then here. Got to give you know, Labor Tuesday Day off. Time. Andy Reid never did. I mean, I, I, I always remember uh, I never had Labor Day off until un, until recently, I guess. So. Well, you're not going to take the day off anyway. Who are we no, kidding? There's, yeah, there's, thought, there's a lot of stuff to write. I mean, this is it, right? This is it. There's. I, I probably should have been a little better these past three weeks in terms of like productivity. Cause there's, there's a lot of, I, I, I want to get out before this, uh, you know, before the week one kicks yeah, off. You really should have written more of the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, we didn't talk about Brandon Graham. What a good story today. Yeah. Great story. I that was a banger. That. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It was, it was one of those where as, as, as we were going on throughout camp, I was thinking, wow, there's, there's a story here, right? It's not just him recovering from injury. It's not just, um, you know, him playing in, in, in year 13. I think I'm trying to look for, for stories that kind of, you could tell a bigger, you tell something bigger through that story. And I thought there was something bigger to tell through that story. So thank you. Where is Travis Long these days? That's a good question. I don't know, but, but, but Brandon did. So in, in 2020, when Brandon made the Pro Bowl for the first time, um, he he sent a message uh or him and travis long were messaging that day so uh they still keep in touch nice yeah that's good all right marissa how are you i'm great 
Um, I'm I'm curious what uh, college football game Zach's most excited about this. Oh, weekend. Marissa, I'm ready? So <laughs> tonight, tonight, that's a drop. Tonight, tonight uh, I'm looking forward to Penn State. I'm watching tennis. Mm. Serena. Um, yeah. So I gotta. I I I'm a little conflicted here. Saturday's a family day. All right. It's gotta. Ooh. I remember when when I was. Uh, I keep giving old, old war stories, if you will. When I was working with Mike Garofalo and he, he, he said to me, I used to drive him to the games on Sundays and we would talk about the day before. And I'm like, you drove him to the games like his chauffeur. No, we, we lived a few blocks. His from ballet. No, we lived a few blocks from each other. His ballet. And so, no, runs no, into the and, press box to get the keys. <laughs> oh, Mr. Garofalo, Mr. Garofalo, here you go. No. So, so, uh, so he used to say, you know, I, I would be talking about like, oh, I watched this game and I watched this game and I watched this game. And he and he was like, Berman, he's like, when you when you're married, you're gonna have to pick one of these. You can't be NFL and college. And I was like, No, I'm always going to watch college football. All right. And for the most part, I, I I I get my college football fix in. But this Saturday, uh, we have some family stuff planned and I can get home in time for Notre Dame, Ohio State at night. But what Emily doesn't know is that there's an Oregon Georgia game going on right in the thick of all the you know of every you know of uh, of all these plans we have. Do you think Emily will make it to this part of the episode to find this out? Uh, no, no. But um, <laughs> but uh, I could clip it out. But your brothers will let her know. But <laughs> yeah. I I can promise you that it, it, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here, and I won't give it an Emily impression. But if I'm like, actually, can I watch? Oregon, uh, uh, Oregon, uh, Georgia at three thirty. She'll be like, "This is your last weekend free in twenty weeks, and you are yeah. so." Um, no, we will. Sounds like a fair point to me. <laughs> so I, I agree. Yeah. I said, have said the same thing to Michael about this weekend. That listen, like this weekend's about me. There you go. <laughs> no, no way, nothing else. Exactly. You got every the rest of the year to focus on. Football, Hashtag Team Emily. Yeah. Going, yes. Hashtag Team Emily. I'm I am a, the president of Hashtag Team Emily, so I understand that. Fair but enough. Maybe I, you can watch with you. I, what's that? Uh, you know, I, maybe you guys can watch. I also like that. She, you, I also she went liked... to Penn State. She went to Penn State, and I asked her. I said, when I finished the podcast, do you want to watch the Penn State game with me? She's like, yeah. Do I have to? <laughs> <laughs> I also like the way you framed it uh, as like, um, hey, Emily, uh, <laughs> is it okay if I watch the watch the college football game? <laughs> Like um, Reed coming up to her for permission. <laughs> but Sunday, Sunday, we got we got LSU Florida State, I believe, Sunday night, right? I'm curious to see what the Brian Kelly like LSU Tigers look mm. like. Uh Monday, I think it's Clemson, Georgia Tech. There's a lot of games Saturday, but the game I, I think the game the whole country is looking forward to is Ohio, is Ohio State Notre Dame. And uh yeah. I think know, that's uh I mean Two of the most hateable teams by by vast majority of the country. I mean, a lot of NFL talent on that field. So yeah, but you know, you root for uh, both teams to lose that one. I Bo, I actually think if if you watch them, you would be in to CJ Stroud. Why? I think he's a, he's the type of quarterback you would like. What does right? that you mean? Know? Why? Why? What's, the, what's the what's my type of quarterback? I want to know what you're saying about me. The, no, I, I he's first off he's he's got good size, uh, a good okay, arm, accurate with the okay. ball. 
<laughs> no, so you're saying she, like specifically, I would like the type of quarterback. That well, is. I just think I, I think you'll think he's I can a already tell you I'm prejudiced against him because he's an Ohio State quarterback. Okay, all right. Um, but so so sell me, sell you. Watch the Rose Bowl last year, and I won't need to sell you. Watch yeah. him throw to Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jackson Smith uh, and Jabia. I'm sorry, butchering the name and Jabba. Um, N-J-A-B-A. Well, listen, I mean, this is an Eagles thing, right? You know, yeah. this is very much the, I know, I know we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but there, there is this side situation with the Eagles where they have this team that seems primed and set up for a quarterback. So they've got the, the assets. So, you know, if the saints are as bad as I think they could be, you can flip that and your own pick and move up and get, you know, a CJ Stroud or a Bryce young. You want to be, uh, you want to be watching these guys on Saturdays if you're a single person with nothing else to do. If you're a family man and you're forced to choose between your family, then guess what? You're going to have plenty of time to watch these guys in the spring. Well, Marissa, are you, are you going to watch uh, Maryland? Is it Buffalo they got this weekend? Yes, okay. Buffalo. Of course, yes. Okay. I'm sure we will spend tomorrow all uh, watching college football. But, you know, I like that. We'll go, we'll go to breakfast, get some Starbucks, and then – sit on the couch and watch college football but that's actually like an enjoyable day but uh when i go to target he needs to come to target with me okay. that's like part of the weekend trip. there you go yeah and not I, very eventful but you know it'll be it'll be fun and then bo your demon deacons are playing right now against vmi mm, tmi <laughs> and then syracuse plays plays uh louisville on uh on saturday so that's those are all th our, our three alma maters thank you Yep. All right. So for the people who are uh, trying to steal Zach's identity, you now know where he went to college. You know his birthday. Um, you know the continent that he went on his honeymoon. So keep all of that stuff uh, just in your document. Identity theft is no doc. joke, Bo. Okay. That's, there's nothing. That's also a No one could be you, Zach. You're sui generis. <laughs> um, sui generis. Did I pronounce that wrong? Uh, I don't know. Okay. All right. Unique. Uh, unique. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. Uh, thank you again to Jason Reed for joining us and uh, giving us the scoop. You can buy that book on Amazon or anywhere else. And uh, we'll be back next week. we got a lot of shows to get to. Lots of questions in the chat about what you know, the, the Friday show is going to look like, or how are we going to do Swooper? Are we going to do Swooper? Who's going to be the guest picker uh, for the spread your wins and fly draft? Listen, we're in the lab. We're trying to cook some things up. We, we, we got some work to do. So uh, stay tuned for that next week. Thanks for following this week. And uh, for everybody, for Jason, for Marissa, for Zach, for me and Coyote, we thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. And as always, we love you.